Business for Junior Church. Well, as the children make their way back, uh, they might not know it, and I don't want to spoil the fun, but in about 10 minutes, they're going to have a fire drill. And I wanted you to know it's not the heresy alarm going off in the middle of my sermon. At least I hope it isn't. So be aware for that. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16, and we'll be looking at verses 13 and 14. And it's also reprinted on the back of your bulletin if you don't have a Bible with you. And if you don't have a Bible with you, in our foyer, right by the doors, there's a little table that has Bibles. Please take one or as many as you want. We would love to get a good Bible in your hands. We're spending three weeks going through 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14, in a series we're calling Stand Firm. The Apostle Paul gives the Corinthian church at the end of his letter five phrases on how to live in the face of the trials of church life and the trials of life. And so today we'll be looking at courage and strength. How can you stand firm when life is fearful? You need courage and strength. Well, before I pray and then read our text, I want to invite you to spend a minute or two with the Lord in prayer. Where is it hardest for you to stand firm right now? Where is it hardest to obey Jesus? Where is it most painful in the trial that God has assigned you in this season of life? Take a minute or two and ask the Lord to give you courage and strength for your time of need. Take this time and pray and then I will pray. Heavenly Father, give us your grace and your mercy for our time of need. Give us courage and strength. Give us endurance, hope, joy, and Lord, correction if we need it. Be our good shepherd. Smooth out the road ahead of us. And help us lean on your everlasting arms. Father, help us feast on the meal that you have prepared for us this morning from your word. So may everything that comes out of my mouth be good and nourishing food from you. Build us up and make us more like Jesus Christ as we receive your word this morning. We ask all of this. In our Savior Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. This is the glorious word of our Lord. 
Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Five phrases from the Apostle Paul for the church to stand firm in a fearful world. The situation in the Corinthian church was messy. If you've read 1 Corinthians, and I hope you have, it is a mess. The church had problems. They had divisiveness. They had selfishness. They had celebration of sin in the church family. There was false teaching. Lots of problems. They were getting together for their love feasts and the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And some people didn't even want to wait for everybody to get there. And not only that, they were getting drunk before everyone got there. Talk about a messed up church service. And so Paul says to the Corinthian church, you have to remember these five things. They had lots of problems. And last week we looked at the first two phrases. Be watchful. And stand firm in the faith, not in your own strength, not in your own gifts, not in your own talent, not in the size of your building or your wallets or your retirement packages. Watch out, wake up, be alert to what's going on in the church and out in the culture and stand firm in the faith, the good news of Jesus Christ. So that was the word last week. Watch out and stand firm. But sometimes you have to act. Sometimes having your eyes open and standing still isn't enough for the battles that God brings into our stories. And many of you are in fierce and fiery battles, aren't you? Sometimes you have to act. It reminds me of the joke of the floodwaters rising and the man gets on the roof of his house. A friend comes by in a raft and says, get on the raft. And the man says, no, I'm asking God to save me. A little bit later, the waters are higher and the police boat comes by. Hop on the boat. And the man says, no, I'm asking God to save me. And finally, when the water's almost up to his feet at the top of his roof, the helicopter comes by, throws down a rope, and they say, grab onto the rope. And the man says, no, I'm asking God to save me. And so he goes home to be with the Lord that day. And he's standing before God, and this isn't actually how it goes when you die, but anyway. (laughs) He says, "God, God, why didn't you save me? I was asking you to save me. I was watching. I was standing firm asking for you to save me. And God says, I sent you a raft, a boat, and a helicopter. You can't just watch and stand firm sometimes. You have to act. And so we're going to need two things for the battles of life. Two things for the fierce, fiery travails and, and troubles that we're going to face. And some of you will face some this week. Just like I said last week, and some of you got very difficult news last week that during the sermon last week, you didn't know you were going to get. Who knows what fiery trials are ahead of us? Who knows what attacks our enemy is planning for us this coming week? Well, we need two things for those battles from our verses. We need courage and strength. We need courage and strength. So look in the middle of Verse 13. I'll read First Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and now for our two phrases. Act like men and be strong. I'm going to summarize act like men with the word courage. That's the will, the, the ability, the endurance to walk into battles, the courage to fight. 
But once you run headlong into the battle, you need to fight with God's weapons, not the weapons of this world. And so that will be be strong. Be strong is strength, the weapons to fight with. So we need the courage to fight the battles and the strength to have the correct weapons to fight with. And praise the Lord, when we ask for courage and strength for our battles, he gives it. Amen? Say amen if you have received courage and strength from the Lord for your battles. Amen. He does. He gives. So ask. Two points this morning then about our text on these phrases. Courage and strength. First, courage. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Act like men. That's what Paul says to the church. Act like men. It's the word for be a man. It's literally the word, I guess, in the middle passive voice to be man-ish, to be man-like, to be a man. That's what he uses. Uh, Picture a man talking to his buddies who is not a man. And he says to his buddies, you know, my my wife keeps telling me I need to grow up and, and become a man. And so I told her to get out of my (laughs) treehouse. Be a man. Grow up. What does it mean to act like men? Well, in our world today, that's a scandalous phrase. Our world doesn't know what a man is. And it's sad that in the church we have watered down complementarian theology of men are different than women. Women are different than men. And we believe here that men and women are gloriously designed by God. There's truth and beauty and design in the two genders God has given us. And as God has designed men and women, he calls all people to have courage and all people to have strength. But there are particular characteristics in godly men and women that stand out in the Christian community. Some characteristics are more characteristic of the men and some are more characteristic of the women. Just like in Paul's letters, sometimes he calls men specifically to address certain sins and temptations and women specifically to address certain sins and temptations, even though we all struggle with them. Paul says, act like men. It means courage. It means having manly courage. But we need to go even deeper than that. God designed men specifically to have courage that inspires courage in all of God's people. The word means be a man, act like a true man. When we get a boy and we make a man out of him. Uh, Think about a football practice. Picture a whole bunch of boys on the football field practicing. And let's say it was a particularly violent practice. And the one young man kept getting knocked on the ground. But every time he got back up, he got knocked on the ground and picked back up, knocked on the ground and he got himself up and he's a little bit bloody and he's a little bit beat up. And at the end of the practice, the buddies would say and the teammates would say, today we made a man out of him. That's the word Paul uses. Act like a man. Manly courage is the will to run headfirst into a fiery battle with no guarantee that you will survive. And God has specifically given godly men that type of courage. If a family saw on a hike a bear... What we would all naturally expect to happen is what God has designed to naturally happen. 
In a good Christian family, if there was a bear charging the family, the man should step in between his family and the bear and rush towards the bear and try to stop the bear. And the godly woman would look to the children and make sure they are safe and protected and hidden so that the man can run headfirst into the bear. And both require great courage. Both require great wisdom. But God has designed men to have that run into the fire first, ask questions later kind of courage. And we're all called to that. But it is a specific feature of godly men. And it's not a bug. It's a feature. So many men, though, have stopped acting courageously. In the name of egalitarianism, Well, men, they don't have to be men. They don't have to lead homes. They don't have to lead churches. And what I have seen and heard and what I have read about and what you'll see sometimes is that men will say, I want it to be a 50-50 marriage. I don't want to take the lead like the Bible commands me to as the man of the house. You know what? If it's 50-50 shared responsibility, then it's 50-50 her problem. And so men can say, I'm doing my part. She's not. It's her fault. Well, men, as heads of your households, you are called to take responsibility for that. But so many men have not had that run into the fire first courage. They have decided that, well, I don't need to be a man. And that's not what means to be a man anyway. Men in our culture have largely abdicated our responsibility. And our egalitarian culture is glad many men did. But the church needs men who act like men. And the community of God needs to have men willing to run first into battle. And that gives courage to the rest of the church family. We see that in the Old Testament where the men run into battle first, into the promised land first. And we see that in the New Testament too. We need godly men of courage. And men, sometimes a man needs to say hard things to you. So, pastor and author John Piper has a great quote for husbands. Listen to this, men and women. If there's a sound downstairs during the night and it might be a burglar, you don't say to her, this is an egalitarian marriage, so it's your turn to go check it out. (laughs) I went last time. And then Piper goes on. He says, and I mean that even if your wife has a black belt in karate. After you've tried, she may finish the burglar off with one good kick to the solar plexus, but you better be unconscious on the floor. That's written on your soul, brother, by God Almighty. Big or little, strong or weak, night or day, you go up against the enemy first. That's what Paul is saying. Act like men. He means that. And we need that as a church family. We all need that kind of courage. But it's designed by God specifically to be a masculine trait when the battle is the hardest and the outcome is the most unsure. And we see this most clearly in the great true man, Jesus Christ. His bride's eternal life was on the line. And Jesus, the true man, acted like the man. And he went into the battle Not with an unsure outcome, but knowing what it was going to cost him. Jesus acted like a man. And so what does this mean for us as a church? Well, we need that act like men kind of courage. And we all need it. But we need to model that, particularly 
as elders of our church. We need our men to do this. It means that if someone were to storm the church during the worship service and demand six hostages, I'm going to tell you what would happen or there would be consequences. Our six active elders right now would immediately sign up to be those six hostages. Because that's how God has designed manly courage. And then when Ari is back from his sabbatical, he can join us as a hostage. (laughs) With godly men charging first into the fire, courage goes all through the community of the people of God. When godly men charge first, all God's people grow in courage. In fact, Paul is most likely quoting an Old Testament phrase used over and over and over again. When Moses in Deuteronomy is telling the people, we're going into the promised land, we're going into the promised land, he says over and over, be strong and courageous. And in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, this was the book of the Old Testament that Paul would have been reading. This word that Paul uses is used, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. He uses that word courageous that Moses used in our text saying, act like men. It's calling the people of God to have courage to go where God says go, no matter the fire, no matter the danger, no matter the risk, no matter the outcome. Moses says, be strong and courageous, people of God. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, when he's taking the people of God into the promised land, he says the same thing. Be strong and courageous. And then in Psalm 31 and many other places in the Old Testament, this phrase, strong and courageous, the two words from 1 Corinthians are used. Psalm 31, verse 24. And this is how it applies to all of us. It says, be strong and let your heart take courage. There's the word. All you who wait for the Lord. So if you're waiting for the Lord, and we are until the day he returns, and what a glorious day that will be, amen? Amen. Until he returns, take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. That's Paul's command. And how can we do that until he returns? Well, we fix our eyes on Jesus, who went first into battle. Since Jesus went first into battle, the rest of us have the courage to follow. And when a church is full of courageous men running headlong into battle, the women can be courageous in the way God designed them. And this is the tragedy of our first parents, isn't it? Paul has to say, be strong and courageous because we live in a legacy of men not being strong and courageous. It happened with our first parents. There's Adam and Eve in the garden. And scriptures tell us that Adam was right next to his wife Eve in the battle with the serpent spitting the lies of the enemy at her. And he kept his mouth shut. He did not stand between Eve and the serpent to stop the devastation. He did not, when she sinned, say, take my life instead, I will die for her. He abdicated his responsibility to protect his bride. And now we're all going to die. The human condition is one of weakness, but weak spirits, no courage fecklessness because of our first parents' sin. And yet, praise be to God, because the second Adam, Jesus Christ, ran first into battle with the dragon to rescue his bride and to give us his bride courage. 
So this is a specific instruction for men to act like men, but it is also a general instruction for all of us to follow Jesus Christ, the true man, into battle with courage. So if we're going to stand firm and watch out, we need the courage to run into battle. If you need that, stare at what Jesus Christ did for you and then follow him into the battlefield because he went first. So we need the courage to go into battle. Act like men. But then once we run into battle, we need the right weapons. We need to know how to fight these battles because we do not fight with the weapons of this world. And so Jesus, as he fixed his eyes on his challenge to be courageous, this is my favorite verse in the New Testament. Uh, Luke 9.51, my favorite verse in the New Testament. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew how hot the battle would get. He would be sold out. He would be spit on. He would be punched, mocked, arrested, falsely accused, whipped, tortured, executed, hung on a cross to die, knowing that was his story. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He went with courage. And so that's how we get the courage. But now our second word, be strong, be strong. Because we can run into battle with Jesus' courage. But then what weapons do we use? 1 Corinthians 16, I'll read 13 and 14 one more time. It's so brief. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong, there's our word, and then let all that you do be done in love. The word Paul uses for strength here is kratos. I mentioned it last week. In Greek mythology, he represented strength in human form. Paul says, be kratos. It means strength and growing in strength, but it's not physical strength. Paul is not saying that to fight the battles you and I are going to face against the enemy as the kingdom of God is built on earth as it is in heaven. He's not saying we need physical strength or even the weapons that this world fights with. It's really easy to grow in physical strength. Uh, If you're out of shape, I heard of a a new uh, little exercise system you can use. Uh, You take a five-pound potato sack and you hold it out and see if you can hold it out for 60 seconds. And then you do that a couple times a day and see if you can move up one day once you get strong enough to a a 10-pound potato sack. See if you can hold it out for 60 seconds. Maybe even one on each arm. And then maybe you can mature to a 20-pound potato sack. We're growing in strength, right? And if you get comfortable with the 20-pound potato sack, the exercise says uh, then you might be strong enough to take a single potato And put it in the potato sack. See if you can hold that out then for 60 seconds. Remember, if you're out of shape, that's what you need. Maybe you feel that weak for the battles against our enemy, Satan, who is a perfect liar. He has perfected lying and tempting for thousands of years. Maybe you feel so weak you don't know how to grow. Well, the Bible does not leave us alone without weapons. It doesn't say follow Jesus into battle and hope it goes well. We get strong weapons to use in our battles. But before I give you some, remember our strength is in the Lord. Our weapons are going to be things that activate us in the will and power of God that line us up with God's strength. So let me ask you, when we prayed before the sermon and you thought of where the battle is the hottest for you and where you needed to stand firm and it was so challenging for you, let me ask you to think for a moment. What weapons have you been using? 
Have you been trying to fight in your own strength? Have you been trying to fight with your own legal expertise? Have you been trying to fight with your own financial and other resources? Have you been fighting all day long and then before you go to bed, you say to God, Lord, help me win my battles. And that's the first time you talk to God that day. Have you been fighting with the wrong weapons? The weapons of faith, to stand firm in the faith, are the weapons that situate our strength, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. So be strong, church. We have to stand firm in the faith. So five weapons for you, briefly. Five weapons to use in the battles we face. Prayer, laughter, worship, wisdom, and weakness. I'll say them again. Five weapons for us. Strong weapons for our battles. Prayer, laughter, worship, wisdom, and weakness. First, prayer. Friends, prayer is warfare. Prayer is a weapon because it addresses the head of the army, asking him for his will to be done. Prayer, a prayer life for the battles you face, situates your mind and heart in the kingdom of God coming into your story as it is in heaven. And if you can't get to that place where you want God's kingdom to come, you will spend all of your time trying to make your kingdom come. You will build the wrong kind of kingdom. You will use the wrong kinds of weapons. One author says this, Tim Keller in his book on prayer. If we can't say thy will be done from the bottom of our hearts, we'll never know any peace. We'll feel compelled to control people and our environment to make everything the way we ought We think it ought to be. And yet we pray, Lord, your will be done in the hospital. Your will be done in my school. Your will be done in my neighborhood. Your will be done with my family member. And prayer is a strong weapon to use in the battles we face. Be strong. Prayer is warfare. Second, laughter is warfare. Laughter is warfare. When we laugh, we're doing something the animals do not do. Yes, I know they make playful sounds, but they do not laugh like us. When we laugh, we're taking ourselves honestly. We're coming to the realization that, wow, look at the story of our people. We messed up every chance we got. And so it's okay to be honest that we're not perfect. It's okay to laugh at ourselves sometimes. Some of our situations are just funny. I can't believe this happened this week and you just laugh. And then you remember, Lord, you're the author. I'm the character in the story. Help me live out this chapter well. And so a good story written by a good author is going to have some comic relief. So let's try. Hopefully you did your taxes. They were due in April. And the joke is that the government has a new simplified tax form that only has four lines on it. Remember, laughter's warfare, so we're doing warfare here. The first line is, uh, how much did you bring in last year? And second line is, how much did you spend last year? And the third line is, how much money do you have left? And the fourth line is, send it in. (laughs) See, Government is something that many of us face and we have challenges about and we need to pray for our government, but we're stressed out and and affected and, and despairing about what the government is doing in so many situations, but we can laugh about it. When we laugh, we fight the enemy's lies of despair. So laughter is warfare. Stand firm in the faith. Third, worship is warfare. 
singing worship songs, memorizing scripture and saying it back to God on your commute, after your morning breakfast, during your morning devotion time, over your coffee, at the end of the night before you lay your head down. Worship is warfare. Author Charles Kraft says this, Worship is one of the most important things human beings can do. Not because it feeds God's ego, but because it lines us up with him and against our enemy. Worship is an act of war. Think about what we were doing. We were going to war when we sang some of those songs. What we were saying is, no matter how hot the battle gets, I'm going to lean on the everlasting arms. And I have everlasting arms to lean on. That is warfare. Worship is warfare. When we sing Amazing Grace, when we sing You Are Stronger, when we sing the songs of faith, we are going to war against the enemy because worship tells the enemy and our own hearts that God is on our side and no weapon fashioned against him will prevail. Or maybe your song is going to be one like Psalm 13 because your story is so difficult Your trial is so hard. Maybe your battle song will be Psalm 13. And this is warfare. Let me read it. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my warfare, ready, enemy be exalted over me? So we say in worship, Lord, I'm in a battle. It's really not looking good. Verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. In other words, God, the battle is so hot, it's so hard, I feel like I'm going to die. And yet this is a worship song. Verse 4, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. We're saying to God, Lord, we want you to be glorified at the end of this story, and we don't want the enemy to have any victories. And then you get to verses 5 and 6. Because you've gotten through verses 1 through 4. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13 is a sharp weapon for battle. Worship is warfare. That's the third point. The last two are very brief. Fourth, wisdom is warfare. That's how Jesus fought all of his battles. In Luke 2.40, it says Jesus grew in strength and it says it's because he was filled with wisdom. We're in a battle and wisdom is needed for the fight. By the way, speaking of acting like men, some of you thought, yes, courageous, run into battle. And some of you thought all of those memes about why women live longer than men. Don't Google it now, but if you Google later, meme Why women live longer than men? There's all these like ladders in hallways, over stairs, balanced with paint cans and everything, right? That men sometimes act like men and they are fools. Godly wisdom is characterized in the Bible as a woman. In the book of Proverbs, we have lady wisdom. And part of the reason women live longer than men is because of godly wisdom in men. A specific feature of women in Scripture is their wisdom speaking to the men around them saying, don't run into battle without a weapon. Don't do that. Somebody's going to get hurt and they're usually 
right. And so wisdom, we need the wisdom of the gathered church to love one another and speak wisdom to one another. And needing wisdom means this. It means that you probably don't have enough wisdom to get through the rest of the battles in your life. So ask God for wisdom and be in your church community sharing your story so you can learn from one another. Wisdom is warfare. Fifth and finally, weakness is warfare. Weakness is warfare. When you admit that you're weak, you're fighting the battle of faith. Let me say it again. When you admit that you are weak, that is a weapon for the battle. Why? 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power. Do you want the power of the Lord? My power is made perfect in weakness. So what does Paul boast about? Not his strength, not his knowledge, not his training, not his money, not his resources, not his influence, not his retirement plan. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, the battles of this world. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Weakness is warfare. Strength in the Lord usually means admitting our weakness and relying on him. So friends, if you know your weakness, you've got a head start on having strength in the Lord. Be honest about your weakness. Cry out to the Lord in your weakness. And that is where his true strength lies for you. Finally, as we sharpen those weapons for our battle each day, we must remember the gospel. We stand firm in the faith and God's grace is always there. So this week, brothers and sisters in Christ, when the battles are hot, when the enemy comes around with his lies, take courage and be strong and use the weapons God has given us. Use the weapon of worship. Use the weapon of prayer. Use the weapon of laughter. Use the weapon of weakness. Use the weapons God has given us. Because the battles are hot for a lot of you. And this week, this past week, I had to visit a few people who were in really hot battles. And they knew they had no strength in their bones. And the two people I'm thinking of who I saw this week had strength for their battle like I've never seen. Because they admitted their weakness and they found their strength in the Lord. Stare at Jesus Christ and receive his courage and his strength. And when the enemy says, you don't deserve grace, when the enemy says, you are a mess, when the enemy says, you're a sinner, say to the enemy, Oh, but let me tell you what my Savior Jesus Christ did for me. He died on the cross to give me courage and strength 
to face what I'm facing today. And when we do that, not only does God give us courage and strength, but all the glory goes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, give us courage. Give our men manly courage. Give our women feminine courage. Give our men wisdom. Give our women wisdom. Give our church family courage and strength. And help us use the weapons of faith and not the weapons of this world. And help us stare at Jesus Christ